Hello, this is the Pod Goblin's Hat, a podcast about the Moomins. This is a bonus episode, which is about philosophers urinating, a gutsy snort maiden, and translating for children. I'm Nina, a person who started drinking coffee aged 16. I'm Dave, a person who has drunk as much coffee as possible from an early age. And today we're talking to our first ever guest about the Finnish and English translations of Trollkarlan's Hat. On this show, we like our guests to define themselves. So it's over to you, Heidi. Hi, I'm Heidi. I'm originally from Finland. So obviously the Moomins came to my life at a very early stage. I grew up with them, really. I have been working as a counsellor mainly in universities and colleges and got into translating literature a little bit later on in my life. And I'm currently interested in translating literature both for children and adults. Why did you decide to study translation after your counselling career? Probably because literature, languages have always been very close to my heart. And coming from another country whose language is not that well known, Mm -hmm. you end up having to read in other languages and look at translations. I mean, the first children's books that I read were translated into Finnish. And of course, when you come into another country and you're kind of living between different cultures, then you're constantly translating things from one language to another. And so it was a kind of a natural progression. And I was also very interested in getting Finnish books into the awareness of a great readership, thinking that there were some lovely books that maybe nobody was able to read because they haven't been translated yet. Yeah, so... You did an assignment on translations of the Trollkarlin's hat, which is Finn Family Moomin Troll in the UK translation. When you were doing a writing MA, uh, what made you choose that topic? We had a module on the course about translation. I got interested in that and then I thought, well, what could I do? And we had been looking at children's uh, stories. We had been looking at Danish children's stories. And I thought, well, yeah, but what about the Moomins? But of course, the Moomins weren't written in Finnish originally. So I thought I would like to have a look at the translations, but I would like to then do a three-way process because obviously I read them in Finnish. They were originally written in Swedish and then, of course, they were translated into English. And I thought that might make a very nice comparison. You know, how were they translated into the different languages? I discovered that there were some similarities and some differences. We've both read that essay. It was plenty of food for thought, things that we'd already sort of started to unpick and things that we hadn't thought of at all. So do you want to say a little bit more about Well, I think the interesting thing was that I got rather sort of confused when I first started reading the books and I thought they are different. And then I realised through some research that actually Tuve Janssen had revised the book later on and the translations into Finnish and English were based on the original book that was written in 1948, not the one that I had then read, the 1968 version, the Swedish version. 
So there were differences. But I also noticed that the uh, Finnish and Swedish versions were quite uh, similar in in sense that the kind of the themes and the translations of certain words, whereas the English one had some differences, things that perhaps were made to be more familiar for English children, perhaps the kind of fear that, you know, children might find it odd to hear about something that wasn't in their kind of awareness. There was a bit about when Moomin, Troll and, and Snork Maiden speak in English and that it had been taken away the fact that the English was there and, and not sort of the fact that they had been speaking a language that um, wasn't the um, original in the book. I suppose it would be very challenging in a translation, wouldn't it, to explain that speaking English is foreign to Moomin Troll and the Snork Maiden? Yes, I mean, I, I suppose that that was the idea of the translator, that the reader might find it a bit odd or it might sort of make it strange for them. Yeah, but then I guess on the other side, that was what was really interesting to me about that, was that by making it seem like it was in the UK, it was kind of not taking children seriously enough to think that they could deal with a story in another country, not thinking that British children would be able to understand that Finnish children and Swedish children exist and have a different environment, different customs and those sorts of things. Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, I I always think that literature is also there to tell us about other countries and other cultures and other ways of doing things. And therefore, to change things or kind of feel a bit sort of odd about, for example, sort of using certain measurements and things that are more common to the target audience. I I think it can be quite difficult if you then take all of those kinds of factors away, because then it doesn't give you that sort of sense that perhaps this was written somewhere else and doesn't educate the audience about some topics and issues that might actually be interesting for them to learn about. In a way, it's patronising to children, isn't it? And I think probably English-speaking children, because English is spoken in so many places in the world, get coddled especially because I suppose in England we can pretend that everybody speaks English. We have that privilege. Our language is spoken around so much. I think we're more likely to coddle the children and sort of, you know, like protect them from the differences of the world when really we're a population that could especially benefit from learning about other languages and other cultures. Mm, I, I think you put that really well. Yes, absolutely. I think there could be a real benefit gained from reading about other cultures and not changing it so that it fits in with our expectations of children's literature. Also, it seems a bit like even more ironic that this was in a book that in the English translation is called Finn Family Troll. So it's putting the Finn in the title. So you'd think that they would put the Finland into the book. I was always very kind of um, surprised, you know, why that title? What, what is it to do? Because, I mean, the Trolls, there's not sort of um, something special particularly Finnish about them. So I, I was quite surprised at that title because, I mean, it was the Troll Carlin's hat, so it, it was the magician's hat. There were further books translated. So how would then they relate to that first one? It, was it supposed to be that um, only this one was going to be around and, and no other? That might have been it. I think you might be right, that they weren't planning on a series. I mean, it's not even the first in the series. It's the first that was translated, but it's not the first in the series. So there's so many confusing things about that decision of of making it, calling it Finn Family Moving Troll. We theorise that it's probably to also make it sound like Swiss Family Robinson. Right. They're very different books, and so there's not really any reason to connect them. Yeah.
a little bit more about the changes maybe between the versions you wrote in your essay that maybe a later version had a gutsier snork maiden like a more active protagonist snork maiden when we read this book we were quite upset about the treatment of the snork maiden it seems like quite unfair the way she's treated yes and i was really interested to read about the different versions that tuve jansen wrote Yes, no, I, I felt that she has been mistreated in some of these translations. And I also think some of the, the, the films, I think she was is a lot gutsier. She comes across as being sort of less of a, a madam, as it, as it were, and, and, and more gutsier, but more tomboyish in, in some ways as well. And I'm just thinking about Moomin Mama. I mean, she, she goes and chops wood. I've got a mug where she's chopping wood. And so she, she's quite sort of energetic and there doesn't seem to be any sort of role divisions in, in that sense. So I was very sorry to see that Snork Maiden somehow being typecasted as a bit of a girl in, in a negative sense, yeah. That's interesting because we had actually picked up that Mimi Mama has uh, an axe and a few moments, but because we'd not seen her actually chopping wood, yeah. it just seemed like a kind of interesting quirk. I think in, in many ways, you know, that she's a gutsy woman and I, I would have thought that the you know, Snork Maiden in, in many ways would sort of follow in, in suit as well and, and not mm. not necessarily be so kind of uh, girlish as she's been made out to be in some of these other translations. She's made to be very passive in this book, isn't she? Yes. Which is part of what bothered us. Mm. Would you say that she was less passive in the Finnish and in the Swedish? That was my sense. I mean, it's sort of mm. nuanced ways, you know, sort of little things here and there that I, I thought she had more to say, she had more energy there. But yes, I mean, overall, and obviously not as much as the other characters that we would perhaps see as being male. Mm. Right. I mean, it's a bit, there's a kind of vanity thing that's going through this book with the Snort Maiden that I don't very much appreciate, yeah. I think. Whereas in other books, like even in the English translations, like in Comet and Moominland, like you're kind of saying, she's gutsy, she sorts things out. She's generally the person who sorts out most stuff. Yeah. But the emphasis is, is very different in this book. And it's so interesting to think that that may have come through the translation. Mm. And it may be that that's, that's the English or British ideas of gender being stamped onto Snort Maiden. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the other kinds of bits that you think are different in terms of the translation? I think you talked about Thingamy and Bob quite a lot in the essay. Yes, I thought that uh, generally the names were quite well translated and, and there was a kind of a, a sense of even the letters, M's and S's, you know, um, in, in certain names. Thing of me and Bob, you know, where did they come from? Toflan and Viflan, Tjuhtia, Vjuhtia. Those were the kind of the mm. Swedish and Finnish. And I thought they kind of rolled off quite nicely because they rhymed and they, they were kind of a similar. Yeah, like a paired set. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whereas now we have, have this um, very long and then, then the, the very small, which also Bob yeah. is, is, a, is a name. I mean, Tjuhtia yeah. and Vjuhtia, Toflan and Viflan, then they're not really names. I mean, it's kind of a, something that's been made up, but they have sort of movement. They have, have a sense. So I, I kind of wondered where, where that came from. Mm. And I thought that took away a little bit from, you know, sensing them as characters. Right. The name Bob is gendered as a, as a male name. Yes. But Thingamy and Bob 
haven't got gender, it kind of undermines that, I guess, in the British translation. But then I believe there is some genderness in the Finnish and Swedish versions, right? Swedish language is similar in, in English in that you have separate words for he and she. Right. Finnish doesn't. I mean, we only have one. Again, there is that difference. But the two characters, I mean, they could have been seen in, in my mind as either, but I think they were both male. Okay. But it's not sort of like they are doing anything that is is particularly male or female in, in my mind. That's interesting. I think that at this mm. point, the kind of Moomin estate or whatever conceives of them as being non-binary, like canonically, but that's really, really interesting. And it sounds like it was easier to understand them in the... Finnish and Swedish like I'm dyslexic so I find the the way that they get swapped around <laughs> whilst it's quite playful I, I find it hard to to pass it yes in the original it was just like they had a a bit added to the words they said right at the end of each sentence the, the way that they spoke I thought it was quite complicated in English whereas in in, mm. in in the Swedish and Finnish there was just a little bit added added on it's flowed quite nicely with that as well. But then it makes more sense that the um, the Hemulin is translating for them then, doesn't it? If it's actually harder to pass. That's true. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things that's really interesting. There's, there seems like there's strengths to both like the translation and the originals. Yes. Mm. One of the bits that kind of stood out was the fact that the English translation has euphemistically covered up the idea that the muskrat is going out to go to the toilet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Why do you think Elizabeth Porch did that? I thought it was a little bit weird of her. Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with saying that somebody's going for a wee? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, indeed, nothing. But, you know, in the UK, everybody's like very strange about lots of things in terms of those those kind of areas. Yeah. Do you think it was a kind of prudishness, maybe? Mm. Yes, I mean, I'm just thinking maybe at, at the time, you know, it wasn't sort of mm. something that you really felt comfortable putting in a children's book. I mean, that was another thing that we were interested in, actually. Do children drink coffee in Finland? Quite a young age, yes. I mean, I, th I think you'd be offered coffee. Right. So that makes sense then, because, I mean, they do drink a lot of coffee and, you know, that's quite unusual to drink coffee at kind of a young age in the UK, although probably less so now because we've kind of embraced coffee a lot more as a, as a culture. Yeah. We were thinking about, like, the other ways that I guess the cultural finishness of the original book was hidden. Like, you said that they replaced coffee with breakfast and, like, yes. cardamom pods with peas, stuff like that. Yes, I mean, I think, again, maybe there was the kind of uh, attempt to make it more familiar for, for the mm. readership or the kind of fear that uh, if you use cardamom pods, children will say, well, why, do we, why were they doing that? You know, what's what's that? And do you think there's a kind of any particular challenges in terms of the translation between these particular three languages? Certainly looking at, at this book, I mean, the names, obviously, the, the characters' names, you, you need to make them something that roll off the tongue and, and are kind of understandable and sort of somehow relate to the original. And I think apart from Thingy Me and Bob, I, I think the names were very good. I mean, they, they worked out um, well. Um, I think there was also how children understand this. I mean, again, is this book going to be read to the children, in which case it has to meet certain kinds of criteria that, that the parents have or the, the readers have? Is it going to be read by the children, yeah. in which case the children may have some questions, you know, by what are cardamom pods and um, why why were they drinking coffee and, and, and things like that. But I think generally, once you get over those hurdles, it 
probably was a joy to translate. Well, they're a joy to read, aren't they? I think it's probably always a joy to work on a text that you love. Yes. Do you think maybe they're due a new translation? Mm. Yeah, it, that's interesting. I mean, uh, it, it, it's uh, certainly, I mean, this one. Maybe they could call it something sensible, like the Hobgoblin's hat. <laughs> But um, I mean, I think um, whether that would be seen as a sort of a, a business case, because obviously they are being sold at the moment in their yeah. current form, and and then to kind of have them retranslated, what would happen all to all the kind of marketing and? Well, I think there would be like a good case for adding the finishness back in, mm, mm. putting the cardamom pods and the coffee and the muskrat going for a wee back in. I think that would be great. <laughs> yes. But then I guess when you're retranslating a classic from a lot of people's childhoods, then that's where you kind of run into this kind of conflict of like you're you're changing yeah. someone's memories is yeah. how they're going to feel. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the problem that are you then going to be putting into some modernisms in there? Because yeah. obviously uh, language changes a little bit and our ideas change and, and then you you might might sort of change something that originally may may sound a little bit kind of clunky or, or kind of old-fashioned, but mm. was of the time. Right. Yeah, mm. yeah. Right. I mean, Snufkin wouldn't be allowed to smoke, I don't think, for example. <laughs> exactly, those kinds of things, yes. It's true, there's a certain charm in certain older elements. And they're seen as a classic as well. I think it's always difficult. But, you know, you look at something like The Little Prince, Le Petit Prince, it's had loads of yes. translations. And Michael That's Morpurgo true. most recently has retranslated it with a view to actually making it pleasant for children to read, which I think is a good goal. Yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah, although some, some children, like me, did enjoy The Little Prince in, in, in a less accessible version, mm. but, but me and Nina have agreed <laughs> yeah. to disagree on that one. But, but I think you've raised a good point there. It is something about how readable is it? Does it sound as it were kind of like an English book or does it sound like something that is from somewhere else? Mm what are the kind of the structures of the sentences and the paragraphs you probably sort of realize that you were reading something that wasn't originally from english and therefore it made it very special in in that sense and perhaps again when coming back to that thing about learning something about s somewhere yeah. else and some other culture and some other language as well Do you have any thoughts about translating children's literature in general? What is children's literature? I mean, is it literature that children choose to read or is it sort of what is read to them? Children often choose to read books and, and certainly some read complicated texts at an early age. In this country, for example, there's some books like The Hobbit that some children read at quite mm. a, a young age. And then there's also the, the kind of factor of buying books for children. Are the children buying them themselves or choosing them or is somebody choosing them because they are good for them? In this country, so few books are translations. So quite often it you know, people might sort of either specifically go looking for translations and then 
probably have a certain idea of what they want in translation. Do they have a classic in mind or perhaps there's a certain country or culture that they, they want their children or the children that they're buying the books for to be reading about? And of course, there's a lot of rhyming books. Yeah. I looked um, on the course that I was on about how to translate some of the rhyming Moomin books as well and the work that has to be done into making sure that they make sense. That takes a lot of work. And, and I think you, you really need to be a poet in, in order to kind of get those rhymes correct and, and get the meanings there. You grew up with the, the Moomin books. I mean, do you have any kind of favourite characters, favourite books, favourite moments? Oh, Yes. Well, I suppose one particular story, and, and I, I think everyone loves it, is, is little Ninni, who was um, invisible. Her aunt had been so horrible towards her, and then little by little, she becomes visible again once she gets angry. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from there. Absolutely wonderful character. And of course, little Mai. I mean, who wouldn't love little Mai, you know, sort of uh, <laughs> doing her uh, tricks and, and uh, being so outspoken. And and I guess, in a way, also the, the story about the magician's hat, the fact that you can go off and have these, these kinds of dreams, but then it's your mum who, who is there for you always. Mm. I mean, PhDs have been written about Moomin books. I mean, they are not just for children. And that's, I think, so no, special about them. They grow with you. You may read them as a child and get certain things out of them. But when you read them as, as a teenager and, and then as a young adult, and then again, when you read them as a mature adult, you again, you read something else into them. Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting is we've been reading them in order of publication. So our sort of thing is that Dave grew up with the Moomins and was read them from a very early age. I'm just coming to them now. I'm 30. Yeah. So we're doing it in a specific order, sort of in an arbitrary sense. And we're finding that, like, even though they don't need to be read in that order, it's interesting how they call back to each other sometimes and build on each other. We've yes. been really enjoying that. Yes. And also, I mean, it's interesting, one of the things that, that you notice as you go through them, though, is is that continuity and things like that are not particularly important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not how they're written. Like little Mai will be different sizes in different <laughs> moments, and it won't really matter. And that I think teaches us something about the world. It's kind of a philosophical. It's a flexibility, isn't it? Like you yes. sort of have to be a yeah. certain amount of open-minded to how things happened and it in what order, and it not mattering too much. Exactly. We do this thing on the podcast where we try to imagine that we're kind of snufkin and like answer answer problems like you know maybe listener problems or maybe famous problems from literature or history. He always says like pack up your tent and play your mouth organ. We've found that's almost <laughs> always the right advice. Do you think that he's a good agony uncle or would you like to suggest a different character from the Moomins as an agony aunt or uncle or uncle? No, uh, Snufkin, definitely. I, I think he, he's <laughs> he's laid back and he has got that kind of uh, worldwide view mm. uh, that he he's doesn't get rattled easily. He will be there for, for his friends, but he's he's a calming influence as well. Yes, definitely. He I think he would be my favourite um, agony uncle. Yeah, I mean you're right. Like I, 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 I think some people would benefit maybe from Little Mai, but very, but only in very specific moments. Oh, absolutely, moments. yes, yes. I mean she is great, but she, she's not, she's not there to help oh, you. No. She's there to help <laughs> herself. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> 
Do you have anything that you'd like to recommend that's got the same spirit as the Moomin books? Hmm, I can't think of anything specific in some way kind of similar or, or kind of in the same same spirit of, of Moomin's. I mean, I, I know that a lot of people would say, well, maybe the Narnia books mm. could could be to, to an extent and, and maybe even the kind of uh, the Northern Light series, but not, not really because it, it is a very specific adventure. Tove Janssen did write for adults as well. Yeah. And, I, and I think there's a lot of great stuff that comes out in her adult books as well, and they can be uh, something that people may turn to as well. I think Moomins are pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they live and their philosophy and their way of relating to the world is is something that is very, very difficult to find in other books. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I agree. Every week we have to try and think of something uh, because of the format of our show, and it is definitely difficult. I guess, I mean, we've never recommended it, but the most kind of like one that's come up in comparison quite often is Winnie the Pooh, I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of the British British kind of connection of like because that has philosophy and very specific archetypes yeah and, and it's and it's all about the illustration although she did her her illustrating and her writing t- together Tivo did right whereas Winnie the Pooh has a separate yeah. illustrator so it's not quite the same in that regard but I guess that's the closest but again those books are very specific and like you can't yes. really find much that's like them so. yeah Yes, and I think the the special thing is about kind of having either animals or like the Moomins, you know, specific characters and and not humans. And I think there is something about that, some some freedom mm-hmm. that that gives um, to to um, the writer and and the the reader as well to to imagine things. And I think that Winnie the Pooh is 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 perhaps closest. I would agree that. I think we should ask Heidi whether there's anything that you would have liked us to ask you or that you feel that we've missed or that you'd like to expand on that you'd like to say that we haven't asked you about yet. I'm really pleased that you're doing this because I I think these books really deserve to be read and get uh, as large a readership as possible. So thank you for doing this. (laughs) Oh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for coming on and, and for sharing that that essay with us as well. Like both your thoughts here and your thoughts on paper have been really useful to us. We're both quite like we want to like get everything we can out of the text. You know, we do a lot of extra research and stuff around it. And so it's great to have somebody giving us new things to research and new perspectives on it. So thanks so much for that and uh, for being our guest. Well, thank you. You've been our first guest as well. We hope to have more, but you be you are wow. our first guest. So <laughs> I didn't realise that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Quite an honour. If you'd like to find out more about Heidi, or even ask her to do a reader's report for you then you can find her at the link in our show notes. And if you're in some ways Moomin related and interested in being a guest on the show, you can get in touch at thepodhat at gmail.com or at thepodgoblin on Twitter or Instagram. Until next time, don't swap your cardamom pods for peas. Bye. Bye. Bye.